0: Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Now that you have purified to yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good,
1: amen. It's uh, a really special moment, isn't it, to be able to celebrate uh, Eric's 70th birthday with him, but also to remember how God has used him in and Sue and others in this church. And one of the things I really loved about Eric is that he said um, he didn't even want us to do anything or mark this at all uh, because for him this is not his ministry. Here has not been about himself. And I was just very struck. Um, Eric came here in September 1976. If you weren't even born then, can you put your hands up? And then okay keep keep them up keep them up he became an elder here in in 1980 who wasn't born in 1980 few still and then became the full-time pastor here in 83 I think it was anybody wow <laughs> it's incredible isn't it eric thank you for your service but also for the reminder of the heart of church I want to pray and then we'll open up the scripture and and look at it, unpack it a bit. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you that we get to uh, celebrate, we get to... uh, Yeah, to be here together and to mark this time. And Lord, we want to pray your blessing over Eric and Sue, but also, Lord, over this process that we are in as as churches coming together. Lord, we pray for your spirit to bring glory to Jesus through your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're uh, visiting today, or maybe THCC is not your home, just so you're aware, we are in this process of Lighthouse Baptist Church coming into THCC and forming something new, a group of uh, people from from THCC and our part of the Lighthouse congregation here. And we had a a great day yesterday just of getting to know one another more. You know, our values as church is that we we are uh, a group that are multicultural, multi-generational, made up with people from different backgrounds who know and acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Savior and excited about what he's doing. I wanted to, so please if you're new, do stick around afterwards, particularly we'd love to just connect with you as well. Um, I want to just begin by asking you, how are you feeling about the future? Uh, If you've just seen my wife and some others walk out, it's not because uh, they don't like the sermon. They're gone to get the lunch ready so that we can all go eat lunch afterwards. Um, But how are you feeling about the future? I love the fact that one of the points that was made today was this isn't just uh, about a retirement or anything like this. This is just a change of focus. Often think about that at this time of year don't we September for some of us it's a new academic year anyone going Oh no, the kids have gone <laughs> but some of you will be maybe heading some of our kids will maybe heading to new schools maybe people starting new jobs maybe uh, responsibilities are changing maybe a season of life that's changing maybe there's a, a baby due or a new babies arrived <laughs> And I wanted to look at these passages today because this passage today, because it speaks somewhat of how Christians face the future. 1 Peter has within it this sense of how do Christians face what is often an uncertain and difficult future. In the midst of thinking about the future and even the past today, I just want to bring us back to a simple reminder to do the basics. Basic things well so today is about living living a life of love it's about leaving leaving a life of of sin and about longing for the word of God and that makes up a large part of our Christian life and our Christian life together. How are you feeling about the future? I guess as well this year with the, with the, the whole thing of coronavirus and we feel like maybe we're over it but we're not sure and we're not sure about what the future holds. And Peter's recipients, the recipients, of his letter had begun to find life tougher. They had come to know Jesus as Lord, but also they'd come to experience tough times. And we know historically that it actually got a lot tougher for them as well. And and Peter writes under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to encourage them to live out their faith with a confident expectation of Christ. And so I want to to think about this. You know, at the start of 1 Peter, he reminds them of the wonderful salvation that they have in Jesus. And all of what I'm talking about today is only through knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's about knowing his grace at work in our life, his forgiveness. It's about knowing him as the king of our life. And in 1 Peter 1, he he speaks of the attitude of Christians facing difficulty and facing the future. Firstly, that they hope in Jesus. Secondly, that they look forward to the return of Jesus. Thirdly, that they are sober-minded. And fourthly, that they are obedient. And those are the attitudes of Christians. But then he goes to this passage here that we're looking at, which speak of the actions of Christians as they confidently face the future, even in the midst of hardships and difficulty, we can face the future confident, not in self, but in Christ. These actions of facing the future come from the attitude of hoping in Jesus, of longing for his return, of being sober-minded and obedient. And we're going to look at what it is to live a life of love, to leave behind sinful attitudes, and to long for the word of God. We see there in verse 22, he says, now you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart, for you have... have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. You know, as Christians, we are called to live obedient lives that are characterized by love. As we face a difficult world, as we face challenging futures, maybe as you start a new job or a new academic year or a new season of life, live, live as one who has been forgiven, but one who has an attitude of love. That the attitude, and actions that permeate our lives are about love this is not just human love it does it's not just a, a nice sentiment or emotion but actually it's Springs from knowing the great salvation that we have in Jesus. Because we have known and experienced the love of God in our lives, we are able to love one another. This is not just a natural love. It is a supernatural work that works in our life through God's grace. It's tiring loving people sometimes, isn't it? It's tiring. We sometimes come to the end of ourselves. We can feel unequipped to carry on. We can feel like somebody goes too far and we no longer love them. The love that Peter speaks of comes out of obedience, out of submitting to God, out of knowing Jesus. It's not merely a feeling, but an action. And he says here that this love must be sincere, it must be real, it must be from the heart. And friends, that's why we need God's grace. That's why the context to this is new life in Christ. We only are able to live truly a life of love if we know the one who has loved us. It says love must be from the heart, not just a superficial thing, not an external thing, but the outworking of internal change. It must be sincere. It doesn't come with hidden motives. If we're honest, We are aware of the difficulties of our own hearts, the things that we hang on to, our mixed motives. And yet in the midst of this, we are called to a love that is sincere. It doesn't have a hidden agenda. It's a love that is fervent. It's a love that is love in action. I heard somebody speak of this as love at full stretch. It's not coming from a place of comfort but it comes from a place of transformation. We are able to love because Christ has made us new. We are able to love others because we know how much God has forgiven us. I always love the fact to be reminded that I am someone else's nightmare. I don't know how you think about yourself. You may not read that in the self-improvement shelf, but trust me, you are someone else's nightmare. And you are the reason that somebody else will grow in their love for God as they try to love you. Have you ever thought about the people that taught you how to love others? One of the people that taught me most how to love others... And it was a painful experience. Was a lady, I won't name her, but we we're on a mission team 20, 30 years ago, something like that. Actually, 30 years ago now. And we were on a mission team and we shared a small flat, a group of us in Prague, in it was Czechoslovakia back then. But, um, and uh, I'm a late night person. So I'm fine at six in the morning if I haven't been to bed. But otherwise, that's not my kind. Kind of zone in life. Whereas this lady she would get up in the morning at about six and then she would play a trumpet badly. <laughs> She would play the trumpet badly. These flats in the Czech Republic were not built with a great deal of insulation, and uh, my ears would be assaulted by this. And, And also, she was one of those people who just everything I thought and believed in, she thought and believed the opposite. You know, you have those people, don't you? And everything inside me wanted to explode at her. <laughs> and the only reason I didn't is because I didn't want everybody else to think poorly of me. <laughs> and I learned an awful lot about patience. Just to give you an example of the extent of my fear of this lady, I once bumped into her in a Christian bookshop in Streatham. About seven, eight years later, I saw her, I climbed into the window display to avoid having to speak to her. Seriously, I climbed into the window display so that I did not have to talk to her. And yet somehow amidst all of that, I learned some stuff about what it is to love others. And brothers and sisters, you know, in your new, whatever you're facing right now, there may be people who provoke that kind of reaction. Hopefully, they're not your spouse, you're not sitting next to them, that would be bad. But please, brothers and sisters, let's really realize that sometimes the difficulties that we experience in others can be a great opportunity for us to grow, for God to work a work in love in us. And it speaks about working out this love together in the church. That's the brilliant thing about church being multicultural, multi-generational, being people who are different. A fellowship of difference is it means that we have to work out our issues together in community with those who are different. God wants to work through our differences, not just our sameness. One of the tragedies of our church in this country is that very often 10.30 on a Sunday morning can be the most segregated time of the week. People may work in offices that are mixed. They may even live in streets that are mixed. But very often 10.30 on a Sunday, so many churches revert to being with people just like themselves. And there is a joy, and Eric really reminded us that we are called to display the manifold wisdom of God. And that's in the midst of our difference. Love one another deeply, not insincerely. This kind of crosses over with 1 Timothy 1. 1.5, where uh, Paul writes to Timothy that the goal of this command, the goal of instruction and learning, which is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. We are, the goal of Christian teaching isn't knowledge. It's not to puff up our brain. It's not so we can pass a quiz or a test. The goal of Christian instruction and teaching is that we love, that we love God, that we love one another, and we love those around us. We're not called just to increasing knowledge for the sake of it, but we are called to grow in our love. In this passage, Peter quotes from Isaiah about the temporal nature of life. It's quite sobering, isn't it? How quickly life goes by. And yet the love that we are called to is one that is eternal, to know the love of God and to be able to demonstrate that love secondly, let's leave behind a life of sin. Verse 2 Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Therefore, in other words, because of the life changing good news of Jesus, because of the imperishable seed that we were born to, out of the death of Christ comes the life that we know, Because we are called to love, we can have an attitude of obedience to God. As we trust in the hope that is in Jesus, we are confronted about the things in our life that need to change. It says here, rid yourself of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. It's, I heard a, a sermon the other day on this passage and the guy was talking, it's quite interesting, we have uh, newborn babies here this week and the, um, the, the passage was talking, the, the preacher was talking and he said that when you have a baby, he said you've got to feed the baby and you've got to clean the mess and he said that's your life for the next six months that's your life for the next 12 months you know some would say that's your life for the next 23 years or something but (laughs) and there is that sense here of that pictured in this passage you've got to clean the mess God is at work cleaning up the mess the wrong attitudes of our life but also that sense of feeding and we'll see that to crave the pure milk of God's word When a baby is born, they clean the baby up. They, in one sense, that's some of the trappings of the baby's life before birth. When we come to Christ, God is at work cleaning up the trappings of our old life. His Holy Spirit is changing in us our attitudes and our actions. It springs From what Christ has done, leaving behind a life of sin, rid yourself of all malice. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, just how deeply these things affect us. What place does malice have in your life? It's a word we don't use that much, unless you're a Paul Weller fan and you might have been singing, a town called malice. Is your heart a town called malice? Are there things in your life where attitudes of hatred and wanting to hurt others permeate? Maybe it's just a special few people that are reserved for that place of malice in your heart. Maybe you love people generally, but there's a few in that box. I like that it says to rid yourself of all malice, not just Some, but all. Also, let's note here that the instruction is to rid yourself. This is not something that God just has to do. God is at work in you, and God gives us grace. God gives us a new heart. God leads us through his word and his Holy Spirit. But ultimately, on some level, this is about choosing. It's about choosing how we are going to live. It's deciding that I don't want to live with harm towards others in my heart. You know, I've been a a Christian since the age of, I think about 11, 12 years old, so that's what, 37 years? There is stuff in my heart and God continually challenges me about it. As we want to walk forward into the future that we have, Io reminded us very helpfully yesterday, uh, as we talked about the future at Lighthouse and THCC, that actually the motive in this has to be love. That we love one another. And that means that life of love it has with it the exclusion of malice. It says here, rid yourself of all kinds of deceit. Of deceit, of not telling the truth, of lying. You know, sometimes we are people who believe in the little white lie, don't we? And actually, there's something in our hearts that wants to excuse deceit. We are warned about hypocrisy. That's literally to play the actor, to pretend. its We talked about love being sincere. Hypocrisy is a life that is insincere. One of the things I love about the culture both at Lighthouse and THC is a blunt and often brutal honesty. You know, please, brothers and sisters, let's not wear a church face. A church face, that's one face that we wear in church and elsewhere another. You know, it's okay not to be perfect, but together as we follow Christ, we believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in us, changing us. And friends, let's not just try to hide stuff. Let's deal with those things in our heart that are wrong. Talks there about envy and slander of every kind. Slander is a powerful thing, isn't it? The, be- the ability to kill somebody while they're still alive, to kill their reputations, kill how people think. Politicians do it all the time. Control the narrative. You know, control what somebody thinks about others. We are called not to be those who slander. Let's be open. Let's be honest. Let's deal with the stuff in our heart. Let's live in grace. Let's show grace. To others, let's be changed. That's what love looks like. It looks like leaving the stuff behind. I don't know what what's the stuff in your life, but I want to encourage you. Take some time today when you go home and say, God. Through your spirit, show me where these things are at work in my life. Show me malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy. Show me the things, the, the little dark corners. You know, Annie likes to keep a really tidy house. If you've been to our house, I'm kind of not wired that way. We had an interesting first few years of marriage uh, as I learned to tidy up a bit. But in our first flat, we had uh, what we called the magic cupboard. And it was this huge walk-in cupboard. And we thought, great, because that way, anything untidy can go into the cupboard. But within a few months, tempted by a year, the magic cupboard was kind of full, to the point that when you open the door, you'd have to slam it shut. And I, I one day, looked, as, what why have we got a cooker in the magic cupboard? Like, but everything, particularly if anyone was coming, quick, throw it in the magic cupboard. Actually, that's last week's guests. they're still in the magic cupboard. And often we have magic cupboards in our life. We have these little dark corners. We'll put the rest on display and we'll just throw it into the magic cupboard. Brothers and sisters, I really do want to encourage you. Let's not have those dark corners. Let's walk in the light. In one John. We're reminded to walk in the light as he is in the light. What happens then? We have fellowship with one another. Real heart fellowship comes about through being known for who we are. It comes through the Light of Christ reflecting on us, we're not hiding in dark corners, and actually, we have heart fellowship. There's a a growing process that happens when we say, You know what, I'm not perfect either, Mm -hmm. and it builds heart fellowship. You know what kills fellowship? Masks. Masks kill fellowship. <laughs> not face masks. I'm not going full on anti-vax. No, but but masks. When we put on this veneer, this outside thing, that kills, thank you, Eric. <laughs> that kills fellowship, doesn't it? Because two people relating from behind masks will never join hearts. We're just, you know, we're just curating our best life kind of thing, rather than than living life, really let's deal with the dark corners let's be known for who we are let's allow the the light of God to shine upon us so that we might walk in the light. It's interesting that it talks about the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness I think there's a place of confession, openness to others, repentance and cleansing. It's a dynamic we experience when we open up our lives particularly and then lastly longing for the word of God. Longing for the word of God I love this way it says um, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good we could have had examples couldn't we I know there's, there's babies in this room right now craving milk <laughs> The picture is really important though, that desire, it's a it's an overwhelming desire, it's innate, it's instinctive. Brothers and sisters, this isn't just for new Christians to crave the word of God. I think we do well to almost have a reset, yes, we need the meat of God's word, but we need constantly to be reminded of the truth, to crave pure spiritual milk that word crave to crave you know we had um james was leading the meeting today if you've ever seen him in nando's trust me that is revelation knowledge of the word to crave and there's a few yeah there's a few of us probably the same way but we need to crave god's word We need it. It's non-negotiable. But we need to crave the pure milk. You know, there was a scandal back in China a number of years ago where into normal milk some unscrupulous uh, businessmen were adding melamine and they did it because it increases the nitrogen content content, and it makes the milk look of higher quality so it passed quality control. But they added this, this chemical to it that was really destructive. As this began to be exposed They found out that there were 300,000 victims of this and potentially 54,000 babies that were adversely affected. Why? Because somebody was contaminating the milk. They wanted it to look better than it was. They wanted to add to it. And friends, we live in an age where it is so tempting for people to add to the word of God, to get bored of the pure spiritual milk, and to add something that's more that will make it make the good news seem more acceptable to the world around us, or make it seem more palatable, or enable people to fit in with the culture. And we are called to crave pure spiritual milk. We need it to grow. Do you know the Word of God is what will sustain in us the ability to live the life we are called to? Healthy things grow as they are nourished. And I want to ask you, how are you feeding? How are you feeding? How's it going? What's your Bible time like? How are you ingesting the Word of God? the best things, the best thing you can do to grow in your Christian walk is to commit to regular time, reading, studying, devouring the Word of God. Eric reminded that that today, didn't he, when he talks about when he first became a Christian, he would just sit and want to be in the Word of God. We crave the word because we need to be changed and refined. You know, when I'm called to love and I'm called to to leave behind sin, I come to the end of myself. I can't drum it up anymore. But through God's spirit and God's word, I receive God's grace. He teaches me. He feeds me. He convicts me. I want to encourage you, long for the milk of God's word. You know, those of you who have newborns here, you don't say, okay, I fed you yesterday. You know... What what are you crying for? You know, you were fed just, no, no. You keep, the baby keeps coming back, keeps coming back. Friends, if that's not our experience, and often it isn't, is it? Let's pray that God would give us a fresh desire. I love that he says, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. It's really interesting, isn't it? These people were suffering already and would suffer much more. And yet Peter writes to them that you've tasted the goodness of God friends what God does in your life is real it lasts and it is it is able to take you through tough times if you're facing difficulty see the hand of God see God's hand not just in the great stuff the happy stuff the up tempo stuff the Instagram moment see God's hand in the muddy bits in the cesspool that life is at times. See God's hand, God's goodness, God's grace in it all. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from God above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadow. He chose to give us birth through the words of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. God at work in us displaying to the world the life that we have in Christ. So to close, the word of God fuels the work of God in us. The spirit of God sustains our souls as we decide to live a life of love, to leave behind wrong actions, wrong thoughts, sinful motives. And as we decide to long, to crave for the spiritual milk of God, word? Has God, has your salvation caused you to love others? Is it challenging you to continue to love others? Has it caused you to leave behind your old life? And has it caused you to long for the word of God? Brothers and sisters, I pray that this week there would be a fresh desire to to consume the word of God, to feast on it, that we might live a life of love and leave behind a life of sin. God bless you.